Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Chumps to Champs Fantasy Football Podcast. Episode two is here. I'm Danny. I'm here with Matt again. Matt, how are you? Pretty good. Scott Trosky's here. How's it going, boys? And Hot Tone, producer extraordinaire. How What's are you, up, Anthony? man? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm good. How are all those kids? Eh, they're alive. They're alive. That's the most important thing. <laughs> well, this marks a special day because today is the first of an eight-part series that we've got going on of divisional breakdowns, beginning today with the AFC South. Um, before we do that, a couple of things to note that we wanted to chat about that went on in the past week or so. It's the end of May right now, but uh, pass interference. That was fun while it lasted, wasn't it? So that rule from 2019 where coaches can challenge pass interference calls, it's gone. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? The rule that never actually changed any of yeah. his results. I think it's a good thing because I, I thought I saw a lot of egregious bad calls that were challenged and they would just refuse to overturn it because I guess they didn't want to. So I'm okay with the challenge going and just making a judgment call on the field. Yeah, I, I felt like at, at its heart, it was a, a good idea. Like they're trying to change something that could be really changed. And then execution wise, they're, by week two, everyone was like, oh, this is just, nope, nope, hate this. Yeah, I will say I was a fan of them allowing it to be challengeable. But if they're going to uh, act on it as they did last season and never adjust to actually overturn some of these calls, it might as well go away. I think that's one of those rules that there's just always going to be controversy around. It doesn't matter. I think it's just part of the game. It's like balls and strikes in baseball or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. It was just the upheaval to the, the whole Saints playoffs. I mean, they felt like they had to do something because there was such an uproar to that one play, which obviously determined a huge game. And like you said, there was just it didn't really transfer to the regular season when it wasn't as important, I guess. And the worst part of that was it benefited the Rams. Right. <laughs> of course. Of course, the Rams got the best of that. Well, on that note, there were two things that got tabled at the owner's meeting that happened about a week ago. And I was going to bring up one of them, which is the Sky Judge. Now, I think it was the Ravens and Chargers. Their coaches, their organizations wanted an eighth official that was up in the booth to help out with these really difficult calls i.e. pass interference calls are included and the owners decided that they wanted more time to discuss the positives and negatives of such a rule but if chumps to champs podcast is going to make this decision right now we're going to vote right now would you like an eighth official up in the sky helping everyone make the right calls i I think it's a great idea. I think it started all with the AAF uh, when they launched a couple of years ago. Um, worked out well for them. The XFL had something similar. And that's something that eliminates having a challengeable pass interference is you got a sky judge in the box. He can radio down that penalty without anybody on the field ever throwing it because they can see it, pass it on that way. I don't honestly see any negatives to it. I mean, what is it going to hurt other than poor NFL teams have to, you know, pay for one more official in the bank bankroll? I mean, honestly, it's what's something I feel like they should do in all sports. I mean, look at the reviews in baseball, how long they take. If there's just somebody up top who can look at it instantly and buzz down, say, nope, he was out. Why would that be a bad thing? It's going to speed it up. You're going to get the calls right. 
And it just, there's, I don't see any negative effects of having another pair of eyes with better views on a play. The big negative that I was reading was they're worried about a slippery slope effect of is how much power is the sky judge actually going to have? And that's what they didn't shut this down. They didn't shut this down. They just wanted more information. So I think that could be what they're discussing is how much power is this person going to have? Because if, and I don't think that's going to be very hard to do because I agree with you, Scott. It's, there really are not a lot of negatives to this whole thing. So I think, I think that's going to get passed once they actually have time to break it down and COVID's probably not helping, but yeah. The only negative I can think of is just the time it would take. And like you said, how much power is the sky judge going to have? If it turns into a thing where they're going to the sky judge on every single play, it could slow the game down a little bit, but you know, as long as they make an effort to keep it moving, I don't, I don't see it being too much of an issue. I think we've got all the technology in the world. I think it's, you know, yeah, the head dumb, refs already dumb not have, to use it. So the head refs already have somebody in their ear constantly all game, whether it's the guy running the time clock or this or that. So just having that sky ref tapped into that, I don't think it would uh, delay anything too much. And I guess going back to the the startup leagues, XFL or AAF, they always had pace of play as a priority, and they utilize these things without slowing them down too much. So I think they could make it work. And pace of play is always just that thing that everybody talks about like you said slowing it down but it's one of those where if you're watching a game and it's a team you're invested in you're fully willing to wait those extra few seconds here and there to make sure your team doesn't get screwed by a call or whatever the case is i know no in a hole you're like oh that could take longer but if you're actually invested in a team it's not going to be a problem so we got four yeses Correct. <laughs> yeah. You heard it here first. A lot of controversy. Chumps and chance, chance have decided that's going to happen. Now, the other thing that I think is more exciting that they also decided at the owners' meetings to table until a later date is this alternative to the onside kick, which is essentially what they are promoting. I think Philadelphia was the one who put it out there as an option. Instead of having an onside kick two times per game, a team would be allowed to have a fourth and 15 from their own 25 meaning they'd have to make it to the 40. And if they do that, then they retain possession. And the idea is it's more exciting. It keeps teams in it later on in the games. And these onside kicks, which the statistics on how many are actually recovering, are really, really crappy. And I, for one, don't care about them. So I can tell you right now, I'm super for that. But what do you guys think of the alternative to the onside kick? Yeah, and I guess this kind of shows those spring leagues are kind of test forms for these new rules. The AAF had this rule almost exactly, and I think it worked out well for them. It's it's definitely a much more manageable way to retain ball possession and does make it more exciting, and I'm for it. Yeah, I definitely am in favor of it. I mean, I don't know, with some of the better teams, maybe maybe 20 yards, because maybe some teams it's <laughs> a little easier for them. But yeah, the, the onside kicks are just, they're pointless. I mean, it just never seems to work out. Yeah, I agree. Give these guys a little bit more shot to maybe make a play at coming back and, I don't know, might eliminate some victory formations at the end, which no one really wants to watch. So so the owners just need to ask the chumps because there's 4040 on both of those rules and we would make the game that much better. All agreed? 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 <laughs> Word. <laughs> Let's get to the divisional breakdown of the AFC South. What do you guys think about that? Let's do it. All right, we're going to start with the defending champions of the AFC South from 2019. That is the Houston Texans. They went 10-6 and six last year, which was first in the AFC South. 
They finished as the four seed. They actually won against Buffalo in the first round before getting knocked out by Kansas City. Big changes in the offseason for Houston. They got David Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> Addition of David Johnson running back. Wide receiver Brandon Cooks is now there. Wide receiver Randall Cobb is there. Big departures. We'll start with Carlos Hyde because that's probably the biggest one, right? <laughs> yeah. Sure. I can't think of anybody else. <laughs> yeah. Except this guy named DeAndre Hopkins is no longer there as well. So we're going to start with the quarterback, though. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, ADP, he's going off the board, QB6 right now, which is the sixth or seventh round. That's in the same territory as Russell Wilson and Josh Allen, just for reference. I uh, threw 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, ran for an extra seven scores last year. What do you guys think of Deshaun Watson this year, minus DeAndre Hopkins, plus David Johnson? How do you feel? I think he's still going to be the uh, top quarterback in this conference. I don't think anybody is going to overtake him with his ability to run the ball, like you said, with all the touchdowns he had rushing, as well as he's got an arm. You know, Obviously, he's pretty solid all around, and I just don't think anyone's going to be better than him, but that sounds about right in terms of when he's getting drafted, I think. It's going to be tough for him to put up the same numbers as he did last year without DeAndre Hopkins there. I know, like you said, they got Cooks now, but... I've just never been a huge fan of Cooks. He has injury issues. He has concussion issues, which are scary. And he's he's put up good seasons, but I don't trust him. And then after that, they got what they got a whole group of B receivers: Kenny Stills, Will Fuller, Kiki Kuti. Uh, oh yeah, Kiki Kuti. I forgot. About that. <laughs> I don't know if I pronounced that right or not, but uh, they're all guys that have shown flashes fantasy wise, and they can. You can make catches for you, but there's no DeAndre Hopkins here, so he's going to have to prove something. I wonder if, now that he doesn't have DeAndre Hopkins there, if he's going to run more, though, because he's got to make up. I mean, there's a lot of targets that are gone. This, the Possibly the best weapon in the NFL is gone. I mean, are there going to be more dump-offs to David Johnson? Is he going to use his legs more? Is he going to air it out? We really just don't know. So you're betting on the talent of Deshaun Watson when you draft him more so than what he has done in the last couple of years, I would think. Yeah, I think fantasy-wise, he's going to take a step back. I don't think he's going to put up the numbers. I don't think he's going to do bad. Like I was saying, I think he's still going to be the number one quarterback in this conference when it's all said and done, but I don't think he's going to finish with the numbers that he did last year. I don't disagree with that. I, I do want to point out, though, he's also only 24 years old. He's going to be 25 before the start of the season, but, I mean he's still growing as a quarterback. And I mean, obviously you losing a, a number one wide receiver is a huge loss, but um, I don't know. He, he could, he could still do good things. Moving on to the running backs. David Johnson's the running back of the Texans. Now the least the starter, I should say there's a couple of them, but his ADP is the 22nd running back off the board. And that goes around the fifth round. So last year was a disaster and he lost his job and they got booted. The year before that, he was okay. The year before that, he broke his hand. He hasn't been great since 2016. And I will say in 2016, he had Christian McCaffrey-like numbers. That was a long time ago. So what David Johnson are we going to see, and where would you take him? I, I think, at like, what do you say, early 20s uh, out of running backs is his ADP? 22. 22. Yeah, I, th- I think he's a decent value there. He has upside. Um, he hasn't been overly utilized like some of these running backs, at least not lately. And 
I'd like to, I'd take him before I take somebody like Lev Bell, who I think has seen a lot of years of heavy usage. Um, David Johnson comes with a bit of injury risk, but I like him at that ADP. Yeah, if he's there, I, I would have no problem taking him at that point. I just, yeah, I don't trust him after using my first overall pick on him and then he breaks his wrist and is out for 13 games or whatever. So I, <laughs> whenever that happens, I tend to gravitate to other people before them. But. <laughs> Scott holds a grudge like you wouldn't believe the fantasy. Like it was like it was personal to him. Yeah, I think the ADP is a perfect representation of how people feel about him and the lack of faith they have in him this season. So yeah, if you get him there, it's fine. But you know, you're not stretching for him. Well, there there are people too. like, uh, exactly. And there are people like Todd Gurley going, what, five or six picks ahead of him. And I think Todd Gurley is a bigger question mark, injury or health-wise, than someone like David Johnson, especially a team that just sought him out and wants to utilize him. And because of the injury risk that he has, Duke Johnson's behind him. So when you're making trades for David Johnson, make sure you check the first name just in case, because it's going to say D. Johnson Houston. So check that out. But I mean, just real quick, because he's going at the very, very end of drafts, if at all. Um, when he does rush, he averages about five yards per rush, which is really, really good. Is he someone that you're targeting? Does he have any standalone value in this question mark of an offense? Or is he a handcuff? What does he do? You? My question about him is how many uh, pass catching opportunities is he going to take from David Johnson? We just talked about David Johnson's a decent pass catcher, but. So is Duke Johnson. Um, they don't seem to complement each other very well, which uh, I don't think is great for Houston. But I would just be worried about him stealing workload from David Johnson, and I'm I'm not going to draft Duke Johnson without even knowing how they're going to use David as their starter. I I wouldn't be willing to probably draft old Duke just because yeah he might not get in all that much. Who knows? Yeah, too many question marks. Duke was basically a a receiver when he was in Cleveland. He was listed as a running back, but I think there's just too many question marks on how each of those guys is going to be used. We should have just asked Hot Tone. How did you feel? <laughs> was it four years or something like three or four years? It was a few years, years, yeah. He was he was underutilized, honestly. He has, he has a lot of talent, but they just didn't know how to use him. So. Yeah, he had a lot of fantasy hype for a few years. It was always like, oh, it's going to be Duke Johnson's breakout year, and, right. and now he's just still like third down back, uh, whatever, yeah. Wide receivers. We can move on past Hopkins. Brandon Cooks is the first one on the list here. We kind of mentioned him a little bit when we talked about Deshaun Watson. His ADP is 37, and we're going to talk about him in the same realm as we're going to talk about Will Fuller. And the reason we're going to talk about both of them kind of at the same time, Will Fuller's average draft position is actually two spots higher than Brandon Cooks, which I, thought, I found to be very, very weird and interesting. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. 10th or 11th round for both of them. Is that value, or how do you feel about Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller, both, neither? What do you think? Uh, to be honest, neither really for me. N- nothing sounds exciting there. Brandon Cooks, like I mentioned earlier, he has concussion history. He has injury history. He's, he's just never been exciting to me. And Will Fuller, I think, will f- he always shows, what, two games a year where he just lights it up. But other than that, he's not going to be a consistent fantasy starter. You're going to start him on the wrong weeks. He's going to piss you off sitting on your bench. I'm not excited about anything here. I was just about to echo what you just said, Matt. I was like, I don't, they're going to, yeah, there's going to be those couple games where they put up 17, 18 points. And if they're on your bench, you're going to just be super frustrated with yourself because you didn't play him that one week. But at the same time, it's like you can't play him every week when 
they're probably not going to put up more than four or five points on a regular basis. If that, you know, with that offense, which I think is going to take a step back overall. So I, yeah, like you said, Matt, I don't, I don't have a lot of trust in either of them to be a every day or every week starter. I'm going to get even remotely excited about either one. It would be Brandon cooks, you know, hopefully coming back from a down year last year, but I don't know, man. I mean, Will Fuller hasn't played a full season yet, like at all. Um, he's hurt all the time. And Cooks had some pretty good statistics uh, prior to last year. You know, he had four years straight of over 1,000 yards receiving. So if I'm going to get hyped about someone, it's him, but wasn't I'm not he, like, super than, hyped. Wasn't he less than 500 or less than 600 yards receiving last year? Correct. 583. Yeah. 583. Yeah. So, and yeah. how many times has he been traded? <laughs> oh, this is his. Uh, this is his fourth team in five years. I think there was a quote from him out there saying something along the lines of like, "Yeah, it just shows how valuable I am." And I don't. I don't read it like that. I read it as you're you're not fitting into anybody's system appropriately, and you're just willing to be dealt. So he's saying like positive. That. He's saying positive, <laughs> though. I mean, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. No one wants me. <laughs> um. Yeah, I agree. Will Fuller's games played last four years: eleven games, seven games, ten games, fourteen games. I mean. He doesn't get on the field, and when he does, it's the definition of boom bust. I was very surprised that he was going higher than Brandon Cooks because, like Anthony was saying, over a thousand yards four different times, over a hundred targets four different times. Granted, things changed last year; he was terrible. But I don't know. I don't feel I'm. I'm going to take Cooks instead of Fuller if I'm going to take either one because the tenth or eleventh round, whatever. I'll throw a dart and see if I hit with one of them, but. Is there any time, do we want to talk about Kenny Stills or Randall Cobb? Are you excited about either one of them? You can get at the very end of drafts. Randall Cobb is still in the league. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that yeah. tells you all you need to know. Heck yeah. And of course, like I mentioned earlier, QT's there too. So they got a lot of receivers around there. Just nobody's really getting me excited. So what I would do is not draft any of these guys and watch the first few weeks of the season see who's getting the targets, see who looks good, and then try to snag them up off the waiver wire. Or, I mean, not all these guys are going to be drafted by any means, but you might be able to get them cheap on a trade early if they are on a team and you like what you see. But I'm not reaching for them in drafts at all. Maybe this means that Deshaun Watson does have value. If there are all these targets and we have no idea which one we should be hitting on, maybe Watson is a good idea because at least it doesn't really matter if you take Watson. I think That's he's true. A safe bet no matter what with his talent. I mean, if he's if he's there in the draft at a reasonable time, you can't not take take him. Right. Scott, yeah. how, how old is Randall Cobb? Oh God. Just throw it out in there. my just head throw, in my head he's like he's like thirty five in my head. He's probably like thirty. Is he twenty eight? He's twenty nine. 29, yeah. So, yeah, so uh, I, I'm not – it made me laugh when you said that because I was getting ready for the episode and I, I was looking at his stats, and I saw he came into the league in 2011. I was like, no, surely that's wrong. I remember him in 2004. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And I don't know. He's just been that guy that's been around a while, but he's not – like, he's still – I mean, he's not an a, A-list receiver, but, you know, he's still there. <laughs> All right, so tight ends. Tight end for Houston. Just give me a yes or a no, and then that's it. Darren Fells, <laughs> are you drafting him? Nah, no, nah. Moving on. <laughs> Maybe stream him one week if I have to, but it would have to be a good matchup, and he'd have to be getting what like eight targets a game. And with all those different receivers we just mentioned, I don't see those kind of targets coming to Darren Fells. 
Yeah, no. No thanks. Uh, anyone else on the Texans you guys want to talk about before moving on? All right. Tennessee Titans finished second in the AFC South last year. Whoop, whoop. Whoop. They were the sixth seed, and you may remember that playoff run. They beat Tom in uh, New England. They beat Lamar. They in destroyed Baltimore. the dynasty, by the way. The You're Kennedy welcome, show. the rest of the NFL. Yeah. And then they lost to Kansas City uh, in the AFC Championship game. They added not much. They really didn't add much in the offseason outside of the draft. They added Vic Beasley, uh, outside linebacker, which is a really good thing because even though he's been around for a little bit, he's really, really good. And key departures, Jack Conklin's gone. He's with hot tone up in Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they did draft another offensive tackle and uh, uh, it's evaded me, but the right tackle they had last year plugged in nicely, Dennis Kelly. Uh, anytime there was an injury or Conklin was sitting or Luan was out the first four weeks. So he plugs in nicely and we'll see how Isaiah Wilson can buy playing time. If he shows they can do it. Uh, tight end Delaney Walker's gone. Logan Ryan's gone on the defense. Marcus Mariota has gone. Tajay Sharp's gone. Deion Lewis is gone. All kind of, you could, I would describe as minor losses. They weren't the big ones. Those big names are still there. And we'll start with the quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, one of those big names. Signed deep a shot massive, Tannehill. Deep shot Tannehill. <laughs> uh, signed a massive contract with Tennessee, so he's going to be there for the next few years. Um, his average draft position is QB 17, so we're talking the end of draft. He's going similar to Jared Goff, Big Ben, people like that. Uh, last year, he only played in 11 games because uh, he took over week seven. Week seven. Um, so if you take those 11 games and stretch them out across a 16-game pace, because we're going to do that because it makes the numbers more relevant and better. But he would have finished just a hair under 4,000 yards and with 32 touchdowns, which is really, really good, considering Lamar Jackson led the league with 36, I think it was. Yeah. And he can run. He ran for four more touchdowns. So what do you do with Ryan Tannehill? We're going to start with Matt because I'm sure the Titans are going to get painted with a very, very positive brush. <laughs> no, I, I like him. Um, I like that ADP. Uh, if you know me, Danny. I wait on quarterbacks deep in drafts. I feel like I could get him and maybe somebody else to... I like to not necessarily pick up a new quarterback each week, but grab a couple late guys so that I can balance out their good matchups and bad matchups and plug and play. The, the biggest concern I have with Tannehill is with how run heavy Tennessee's offense is. They run so many fewer plays, it seems like, than a lot of other teams. It's less times he's putting ball, the ball in the air, and a lot of those snaps are going to runs anyway. So he really needs to make a count in the red zone. You need a couple TDs out of him at least. He, but I guess, like you said, if you extrapolate out his uh, stats, he's still getting decent numbers. So we'll see. I wouldn't mind having him on my team if I can get him late. Yeah, I definitely like him if I if he's going that late in the draft, I feel like he'd be an exceptional second quarterback on your team if you've got somebody else. He's got definite matchup qualities there if he's playing a specific team or it's a bye week, so I would definitely like having him. But the biggest concern is, you know, we saw what they did in the playoffs last year where they won games where he threw the ball what 16 times if that. Right. Right. And it's it's one of those where that's obviously not a recipe to win on a consistent basis because Derrick Henry will be carted off at some point if that's your game plan. How dare but, you? Uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things where you never know with him, but he does have that ability to put up big numbers for you if you're playing in the right the right week. Yeah, I like him especially for the ADP. Um, he uh, he led the league last year in um, yards per attempt and yards per completion, um, QB rating. I mean, he he was just solid last year all the way around. And I mean, I think as long as he's getting the protection he needs, he's gonna be good for that tier of quarterback. And they kept flashing those stats like uh, week ten on. It was like, oh, quarterback stats since week seven when Ryan Tannehill took over, and he's leading or in the top three of every category with these elite guys. Uh, we'll have to see. There's not there's not a lot of there wasn't any game film on him playing for Tennessee at the time, and I think that's always a benefit to a quarterback when another team hasn't seen you playing in the system yet, they don't really know how to read you, but that film's going to be out there this year, so let's see what he can do. Running back, Derek Henry. Average draft position, he's the sixth running back off the board. Uh, no, Tractorcito. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's a first-round value. He's going to the end of the first rounds. Uh, last year, he led the league in rushing. 1,540 yards on the ground and 16 scores. He did catch the ball, about one one pass a game, but two touchdowns in the air as well. Um, what do you think of Derrick Henry, and where are you going to take him? Where does he have to fall in the first slash second round? There's not a lot to say about him. If, if he gets the volume he got last year, and if he runs somewhat like what he ran last year, he's going to be a stud again. I mean, all you have to do is look at that 99-yard rush where he stiff-armed three guys. It's it's incredible, but you gotta you gotta worry about his longevity because of the beating he's taken. But the man's a beast, so. And Scott wants him dead. <laughs> <laughs> if they don't if they don't overuse him, uh, yeah. If he's there in the second round of a draft, I don't care where I'm at in the second draft. If I feel like I'd have to take him at that point. Are you if taking he, him? Go ahead, go ahead, Anthony. No, I'm just saying if if I'm drafting at the end of the first round, like he's not getting to the second round. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If you're going tenth in a twelve team league, Anthony, are you taking him at ten? I'm. Yeah, I mean, I'd have to look and see who he's looking. No, lined up make against, a declaration. But... <laughs> make a declaration right now. When are yes. you going to draft him? We yes, play I in guarantee leagues. you, five hundred dollars on it. I will. I will draft him if I pick tenth. If I could snag him on the turn with like a stud wide receiver or even just load up on two great running backs, I would love my team. Uh, Drafting the turn is always one of my favorites. I guess I will point out the only really negative about Henry is he does not catch many balls. So if you're in a full PPR league, you might want to look elsewhere. But even in half, I think his his benefits outweigh the negatives there. So I still like Old Deion Lewis is gone. I mean, he used to catch half of them, so now who's, who's there to take those away? It's so interesting that you say that because <laughs> we're going to move on to Darrington Evans really quickly. Not too much to say because he is pretty much the handcuff. He is the Deion Lewis of last year, and Deion Lewis really didn't have any value other than being a handcuff to Derrick Henry. Um, are you guys into – this is a good time to talk about handcuffs. Are you guys into handcuffing running backs, at least, when you are drafting? Not really. I like to keep an eye on them and hawk the waiver wire. I like to steal other people's handcuffs if it seems like uh, it might be beneficial for me. But I'm going to keep my eye on the waiver wire. And of course, since Scott wants Derek Henry to get an injury so bad, like if he <laughs> right. goes down, hop on Evans. The only time I really think about handcuffs is if I have that same starter on that team and I'm worried about injury. 
other than that, I don't usually go for anybody like that. Uh, wide receivers. The big one is A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown kind of broke out last year. Uh, his ADP right now is wide receiver 16. He's going at the end of the third, early fourth rounds. Last year, he averaged, can you guess, maybe you guys know this number, how many yards per catch A.J. Brown averaged last year? I can tell you it's 20.2. Wow. That's a a lot. He averaged 20.2 yards per catch, 1,051 yards, eight touchdowns on just 84 targets. So what do you think of A.J. Brown in this run-first offense but being an inhuman kind of a football player? I like him. I, I mean, what he showed last year was impressive. I'm. Did you say what his ADP was, Danny? I think 16. he's gonna. He's gonna be a pretty good value this year. I think he has the talent and the size to be one of the top tier wide receivers, and he hasn't quite shown it yet. Although he, sh- he showed that he can do it last year, so you might be able to get him for a little bit of a steal. Yeah, I just think he's gonna get better this year. I think he's gonna be a great pick if you got him. I'd take him right around there, maybe a little bit lower if he's still hanging around, just because with last year being his first year, if they figure out better coverage on him, he could take a decline, but that sounds about right to me. No, yeah, Tony, he's going to get better. Did right. you hear what I said? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I forget who was pointing it out. I think Scott pointed it out earlier when we were talking about Ryan Tanhill. The big question, A.J. Brown is incredible. That is obvious, but playoff time when it was the Derrick Henry show and remember the Titans were winning I said remember the Titans the (laughs) Titans were winning the game okay so the game against New England AJ Brown had one catch for four yards Tannehill threw the ball 15 times Baltimore they won one catch for nine yards Tannehill threw the ball 14 times the whole game so that kind of thing was a recipe for success for the Titans so I'm scared but also, and I don't have the stats in front of me at all, but wasn't it like week 16, 17 when the Titans needed a win? They were just airing the ball out with Tannehill those weeks. And then once playoffs hit, they kind of switched their dynamic. Yes. Yeah, because in week 15 against New Orleans, he had one catch. It was a 34-yard catch. And he, I think he ran like a 50-yard like, touchdown, oh, yeah, which yeah. was weird. But so there are times when he can ghost. And I don't know how I feel about that relatively early in my draft what do you guys think about i'm gonna steal your thunder here a little bit danny but like real late in a draft snagging Corey davis because he's always had potential and he's gonna be the number two there and like this is kind of like an old school could be an old school dynamic duo like two stud receivers on a team i kind of like Corey davis late when you say two studs on a team A.J. Brown is a stud. Corey Davis pooped his pants since he came in the league, in my opinion. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know. I think there's going to be other guys than Corey Davis. A.J. Brown, yes, I can, I can do it at a certain ADP, but Corey Davis, I'm... I'm talking like last round. I want another receiver to fill out my roster. Fine. I like the dart throw there. Fine, fine. If I had Corey Davis, I would inevitably play him on all the wrong weeks. For sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. <laughs> Um, because you were just saying, Matt, Corey Davis is the second receiver. I don't think he is because we're going to move on to the tight end, Jonu Smith. I think Jonu Smith is going to be the second target for, I almost said Marcus Mariota, <laughs> for Ryan Tannehill. His ADP is tight end 17, but he showed some promise last year. So are you guys taking a flyer? If you're going to skip on the tight end early on, are you looking at Jonu Smith maybe? 
yeah, if I'm drafting a tight end late, there's kind of a lot of guys with upside that you're just not sure on and you're going to end up streaming if they don't work out. So especially being a Titans fan, I'm I'm going to throw a dart at Johnny Smith then. And I think early in his career was that like two years ago, he had a few drops that were bad and wasn't getting a lot of targets anyway. But last year, yeah, he, sh- he showed a few flashes. So especially with Titans, what do they say? The third year is usually the, the year that they start yeah, really much. making a dent. So he has potential this year. If it was if it was the very end of a draft and I already had a tight end, that's when I may be willing to take a flyer on him. But I certainly wouldn't pick him as my number one guy. Oh, you got to live more dangerously with those tight end picks. Yeah. <laughs> what do you guys say we stretch our legs and take a break? Sounds good to me, Danny. All right, we'll be right back, chumps. All right, welcome back to episode two. We're talking about the AFC South. We just got done with the Texans and the Titans, and we're going to talk about the Indianapolis Colts now. Finished third in the AFC South, seven and nine. They gained Phillip Rivers, Jonathan Taylor, and Michael Pittman, as well as DeForest Buckner on the defense. And they lost Eric Ebron, but we're going to start with that quarterback, the old man, Deep River, Philip Rivers, ADP. Old Man River. <laughs> ADP, uh, he's going at the very end. If you want him, you can get him at the very, very end. He was in LA last year, San Diego before that, his entire career. So, what do you think of Philip Rivers? Are you going to throw a dart at him? I like I, him. I love him as a backup if you've got somebody already. If he's there at the end, I think, I mean, he's already a known guy who just chucks the ball and with the with Pittman and T.Y. Hilton, I, I really like him. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. I was just going to say I like him, too. He's a, I think he's a great streamer, and like I was saying earlier, I like, to, I like to grab maybe two quarterbacks late and just kind of rotate them in and out, whoever's matchup I like more. Uh, big thing with Rivers, at least as of what the last – this was last season more than any other, but the interceptions hurt you. So if you got a league that gets negative points for interceptions, you might be a little more concerned about just plugging them in. but. Last year, I think it was 23 TDs, 20 interceptions. But prior to that, he, he had a good like 3-to-1 ratio going most years, uh, TDs to interceptions. So I'm not too scared there. I like him. He's a dick, but I like him. Also, I'm wondering how much they're going to go to the run game with, with Taylor being added with Mac. They might have a pretty solid running force, so it just you never know. Yeah, they added good weapons around him, and I like him as a quarterback. I like him, like watching the Colts, even though I'm a Titans fan, it's going to be hard because I really do like him. But this is it's now or never. I mean, this is either his last year or his second to last year. And I don't know about for fantasy. I think there's other quarterbacks I'm willing to throw out there, but I might stream Bill. I think he'll fit well. I do not think he liked playing for the Chargers in L.A. I think he said before they moved there that he would request a trade if they moved to L.A. just because he didn't want to be in that city. So I imagine he was somewhat unhappy. I think he has the arm talent. I think it could be good for him. Yeah, 17 of those 20 interceptions were on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about this uh, muddled running back committee that's in Indianapolis. Jonathan Taylor, we'll, we'll start with him. He is going as the 19th running back off the board, right around the fourth round as a rookie out of Wisconsin. Just We don't have, obviously, stats on how he has done in, at a professional level, but at Wisconsin, over the course of three years, he averaged 2,000 yards and 16 touchdowns, which is just incredible. Um, the big question with Jonathan Taylor is, 
did Wisconsin put too many miles on that body before he even got to the professional level? And are you willing to take Jonathan Taylor in the fourth round this year? What do you think? I definitely wouldn't. I, I love him as the running back of their future. I would absolutely take him there next year, but this year there's, there's too many question marks. I mean, Mac had a pretty, pretty solid year last year. I had him on one of my teams and he carried me on a few weeks where I needed him. And I just don't know. It's, I like him a lot, but yeah, this year I think they're going to dual use him. I think he'll be their starter by the end of the year, but I don't think he's going to put up the fantasy numbers to draft that early. Yeah, I'd like to see a little more preseason or just training camp information on how they're using Jonathan Taylor early on before I spend a draft pick that high. And I agree, not just with Mac, who I also had on a couple teams last year, and he was a big producer for me. But they also have Naeem Hines, who's going to take some passes. And Jordan Wilkins is lingering back there. I don't think he's going to get utilized much. I don't think they need him. But it's muddled, exactly like you said, Danny, and I'm staying away. Yeah, if you're in a dynasty league or something like that, obviously Taylor's someone you're looking at. But, I mean, for this year, I'm not stretching for him. I'm not reaching for him. Um, I'd rather see what he has for a year and go from there. For sure. The dynasty thing, I think you're absolutely right, Anthony. And what's weird to me when I try to break these running backs down, what they're going to do this year, Marlon Mack, he is going as the 33rd running back. So he's getting drafted around the ninth or 10th round because he's going to get used, even though Taylor seems to be the future. He was pretty good last year. I mean, he's not a pass catcher at all. So more value in standard leagues, but he rushed for over a thousand yards last year. He yeah, I'll take Mac in back. the 10th round. I mean, half my 10th round picks are off my team by the <laughs> third week of the year anyway. So I'm <laughs> usually, I'm usually drunk by the 10th round anyway. <laughs> so I'll take Marlon Mac. That's fine. You think Mac's not a pass catcher because they don't throw to him or because he has the inability? Because, I mean, he he didn't have a lot of receptions, obviously, but, like, he caught 82% of them. (laughs) It's it's not (laughs) hard to catch 82% of four. Four, okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. I don't know if that math adds up, but, I mean, he also had injury problems. He had shoulder problems, a hand fracture last year and stuff like that. This just seems to be... This for me personally, I'm too nervous about a rookie coming in in the and then taking him in the fourth round versus Mac. I'm with Matt. I would rather have Mac this year, which sounds weird because I'm just not willing to throw that kind of a dart right now. I think that's good value too. And I don't know uh, as much as you guys about Jonathan Taylor, but if he struggles in pass pro, Marlon Mack is going to be on the field more. And he's going to get utilized if he's on the field more. So he's just a sure bet. And if you're getting him in the 10th round, I see that as more or less a steal. I was just about to say, if, if it takes a little bit for Taylor to kind of adapt to the offense, I mean, you know, NFL offenses are going to be a little more complicated than Wisconsin's offense, I'm sure. And it might take a little bit. So, you know, if he doesn't do the right things right away, they might not play him as much. And then Max basically your, might be your three down guy for most weeks. You just never know. Wide receivers. T.Y. Hilton's the big one on the depth chart. He's going Is around he? the fifth. <laughs> he's going around the fifth round, uh, end of fifth, some of the early sixth. He's wide receiver 26. Last year, he only played 10 games, though. So he was wide receiver 57 last year. It doesn't really count, though. Um, he always gets in that five to seven touchdowns when he plays a full season. 
He can do over a, a thousand yards, but now he's got Philip Rivers. He always succeeded with Andrew Luck. Now he's got Philip Rivers. Are you big on Hilton or are you saying nay? I'm a little more excited for him this year, not necessarily because of Philip Rivers being there, but because they added Pittman. Um, and I think he's going to be the the big body receiver who can draw coverage and also now T.Y. Hilton's being left open or uncovered over top. And that's when T.Y. gets you those, those long bomb speed touchdown passes. And I think he's going to get opened up for more of those this year. I still don't like him on my fantasy team because he's always burned me in the past, but I think there's something to be excited about here. Uh, echoing exactly what you just said, Matt. Like, I, I've had him and he's, he's hurt me a lot, but I think it's a lot comparable to the kind of Thielen Diggs combo where he's going to be the deep guy that they put so much emphasis on one that he gets single coverage and he can burn guys, like you said. And I think he's, he's got the capability. And like we talked about earlier, Rivers likes to chuck it. So, you know, he's not shy about throwing the deep ball. And Get it, girl. I, I, think, uh, <laughs> I think this could be a uh, pretty good year fantasy for T.Y. Yeah. I was just going to say, back in 2016, he led the league in, pass, in receiving yards. And then in 2017, he had a huge drop-off because they didn't have Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck came back in 2018, and he jumped way back up. So I, I think with Phillip Rivers thrown to him, I think he's going to see another big increase this year. Are you going to take Michael Pittman at the end of the drafts? He was one of my peaches, if you remember from last week, and I know all of you do. Are you going to take Michael Pittman late? I like him because there's not much else in Indy. Like, he doesn't have to do a lot to earn a starting role. They got Paris Campbell who and Zach Pascal. And remember last year, everybody was streaming those guys some week, thinking they'd break out because they're getting opportunities, but they never could do it. And there's nobody there to to not let Pittman be that wide receiver too. And like I said, he's a, he's a different receiver than T.Y. He's going to complement him well, so he's going to get his targets. He's not going to get buried under T.Y. I can see him getting a lot more targets than T.Y., so I like him. And if he's going late, I think he could definitely be a steal. So tight end is Jack Doyle. ADP is tight end 18. The big thing with Jack Doyle is that Eric Ebron is gone and there was an upgrade at quarterback. Are you thinking about Jack Doyle as a tight end? I think he has some relevance this year. I, I think he'd be one of the, the lower... He'd have to be... Like I said, he'd have to probably be number two tight end on my, on my bench if I saw him there, and I just needed somebody to fill my roster at that point. He definitely wouldn't be my go-to guy. But like you said, he's, he's got a better quarterback, and I think he's got the capability of being better than he has in years past. I, I think you said it, Danny. Eric Ebron's gone. If Jack Doyle's there late, I'm not going to be shy to take him as my tight end. I think he's going to get more targets. Well, take it away, Scott, on Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay? Your boys. Yeah, those, are, those are my boys. Yeah, so they finished last in the AFC South <laughs> <laughs> last year, but they were 6-10. and 10. They won six games. They were fine. Now, yeah. key additions, they added Tyler Eifert. Remember that guy? And they drafted a wide receiver named LaVisca Chennault from Colorado. I may have said that right. <laughs> key departures, uh, really, it's Nick Foles. So what do you think of Gardner Minshew? We'll start there. 
he's uh, fun. He's, he's fun to watch. Yeah, he's got some antics that are definitely entertaining. I, I don't see him being a quarterback that's going to lead you through the playoffs, uh, especially not at this point. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see a huge amount of success this year with them. But I, yeah, he's fun to watch. But we'll see. Yeah, he's one of those guys where he. I think they're going to be losing a lot. <laughs> That's so mean. I'm so sorry. I think they're going to be losing a lot, so you may get some garbage time stuff, and that <laughs> that sentence is probably going to come up from me <laughs> in the next couple of minutes <laughs> talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars, but I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't see a scenario of how I'll choose him at the very end. No. Yeah, he had, what, he averaged a little over 200 yards per game, so... You're not really seeing a ton of volume out of him anyway, and they didn't add too many weapons uh, for him to throw to. So I'm not excited. Uh, like Scott said, he's he's fun to watch and entertaining, so I'll be rooting for the guy. Little known fact, did you know that last year Gardner Minshew rushed for more yards than Russell Wilson? Did not know that. Well, now you do. Oh, <laughs> now I'll take that him before Wilson. everything. Yeah. Just pencil him in above Russell Wilson now. <laughs> um, running back, Leonard Fournette. This is an interesting one. Leonard Fournette is an interesting choice in fantasy in 2020. He's going right around the third round right now, the 15th running back off the board. Another really fun fact about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I know them all. They rushed for three touchdowns last year. The whole team, the entire team rushed for three touchdowns. They're all Leonard Fournette. Yeah, I had isn't him, I that know. terrible? <laughs> I think that was the biggest disappointment with Fournette because he was still well over a thousand yard rusher, right? Yes. And I really liked him going into drafts, and somehow I didn't get him in a lot of my drafts. But I was upset about that. I knew I wanted him, and I think the lack of TDs really has to do with how unsuccessful Jaguars drives were at scoring, not his talent level. So. If they could make that leap into a team that can put more points on the board, I think a lot of those points go to Fournette, but but they won't. They it's, didn't it's, do a lot to get there. It's pretty hard as a running back when you're constantly at third and nine. So yeah, that's the story of the Jaguars last year. If, I feel like Leonard Fournette's always on Scott's fantasy team, and I'm in way too many fantasy leagues with Scott, so <laughs> I never get Leonard Fournette. But let's talk about Chris Thompson. He actually was an addition as well. Chris Thompson had a breakout with Washington a couple years ago. Remember him, the pass catcher, when yeah, everyone kept getting hurt in Washington? He is now in Jacksonville. Leonard Fournette had 100 targets last year, which is crazy high. I never would have thought he'd be... I mean, that's a lot for Leonard Fournette. Are a yeah. lot of the pass catching duties in the third, the third down play is going to go to Chris Thompson? Or is Chris Thompson just old busted now? I think Fournette handles the workhorse load still. They're going to, it seems like they definitely got Chris Thompson to carry some of that load, give Leonard Fournette a, a breather at times, but I just don't see him being a major part there. Yeah, and it should go, be noted that Ryquel Armstead is the backup to Leonard Fournette. Um, he really doesn't have any standalone value, I don't think, but there's always chatter about where is Fournette going to get moved. And if for some reason Leonard Fournette does not end up on the Jaguars or they decide, you know what, we just don't like you anymore, right? Quell Armstead will be the next guy up. Someone just to keep your eyes on, I think. Not if you want to handcuff Leonard Fournette, it's not the worst idea with right Quell Armstead. 
but we should pay attention to that name. That name might come up, especially if Fournette gets injured or gets moved. But moving on to wide receiver, the big one from Jacksonville is DJ Chark. Oh, baby. I got him in like all of my fantasy <laughs> leagues last year on the waiver wire. Huge, huge fantasy season saver for me. So Matt's in love. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, he... renamed one of my teams DJ Chark. Do, 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 do. Oh, so, love it. <laughs> yeah, he is the uh, 27th wide receiver off the board so far. He's around the fifth round, sixth round. Last year, he broke 1,000 yards and scored eight touchdowns. Do we see more of the same? I, 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 like, I like him for sure. And I think that, I mean, was it two years ago when D.D. Westbrook had a good year like that? Mm-hmm. So I feel like with both of them there, that's, that's the one thing that I kind of get excited about with the Jaguars is maybe they actually have a more developed, you know, wide receiver core that maybe it's going to be something exciting. I'm not going to get my hope. Well, yeah, I am. I have to. I'm not a fan if I don't, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and then you got, like you mentioned, Scott, D.D. Westbrook's there. He's going at the very end of, of drafts. You got Chanel, who's the rookie, Chris Conley. They're going to be trailing a lot, and I know I said it earlier, but like Gardner Minshew might have to air it out like in the, in the second half of games. So I don't think D.D. Westbrook's are that bad of a late-round shot. I, I like him in the 14th and 15th round just because he's the second receiver in that shitty offense. But hey, you like D.D. <laughs> Westbrook the in the 14th or 15th, but you refuse to draft uh, Corey Davis. Oh, yeah. No, I'll take D.D. Westbrook over Corey Davis, like, you know, in a New York minute. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I just, I don't know, Corey Davis, I was so pumped when the Titans drafted him, and he has done nothing but just disappear. But, must be my Titans bias, but. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, tight end for Jacksonville's Tyler Eifert, I mentioned that earlier. He's 29 years old, and he is injured and in the hospital more so than he's on the field. Do you have any interest? He's another uh, Randall Cobb where I thought he's, he's been in the league for as long as we've done fantasy. 29-year-olds. But, yeah, he's not even – it's just – yeah, it's insane. But uh, he's, no, older I, than, he's older than shit, and he's three <laughs> years younger than us. So. I've heard it was one of those perpetual, gonna break out this year, guys. So it was just – it's so hard to draft him with any uh, confidence. But what I will do is keep my eye on him. Um, if he starts getting – the one thing I do with tight ends is see who's getting targets the first few weeks of the year. And if you're getting above eight targets a game, I'm getting you on my team because that's a startable tight end to me. So I'm going to watch him. I doubt I draft him, though. And we're talking about a team that is just prime for little dump-off passes. I mean, let's be honest. He's going to get targets in Jacksonville. I'm okay with that because all my leagues are half PPR. And if my tight end gets, like I said, eight-plus targets a game to catch more than half of them, that's not a that's not a goose egg at my tight end position, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, the obvious question for Eifert is if he's on the field, his games played by year. You ready Let's for not this? Talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Fifteen. Oh. One. Oh. Thirteen. Hey. Eight. Oh. Two. Four. Sixteen. Okay. Yeah, ending uh, on a good note though. So uh, you know, it's only looking up from here. So yeah, it's <laughs> all healed up. All right. Well, that was the AFC South. The breakdowns we covered all four teams. Um, but let's talk about where they're going to finish. What do you guys think? First, second, third, fourth. Who's winning the division? Second, third, fourth. Go. 
Titans are winning the division, obviously. Um, the problem is what makes that difficult is Titans always finish nine and seven, so they're going to have to win the division at nine and seven. I got them winning again. <laughs> again, they didn't win. Uh, I got them winning also, and I have them going ten and six. I had the same thing: ten and six for the Titans winning the division. Yep, me too. <laughs> All right, a, a two-horse race between them and Indy, but yeah, I have Tennessee at 10 and 6. Okay, so Scott's got Indy finishing second. I also have Indy finishing second at 9 and 7. Yep. Damn. So what's interesting <laughs> is last year, uh, Houston won the division at 10 and 6, right? And I'd have to imagine it is 100% the dealing DeAndre Hopkins move that has just crumbled them in our books, right? Yes, well, yeah, it's yeah. The, it, it's a few things. I mean, the big I, I always look at points for and points against. That's a big thing for me when I'm determining last year to this year. Texans gave up more points than they scored last year, so uh, some of that ten and six was luck. You I saw that I mean? actually. Titans were the only ones with a positive point differential last yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely, and it was and it was a it good was, one. Yeah, it was like eighty points or something like that, or seventy mm-hmm. points. So, I I think the Titans are naturally going to take a jump. I haven't analyzed all four schedules, but the Titans are going to naturally take a jump because of that, and the Texans are naturally going to take a drop because of that. Um, so I think that, combined with some of the acquisitions made on either side. So have the Jaguars done anything to dig themselves out of that bottom spot? <laughs> That's what I was going to ask is, can I guess who's everyone's third place real quick? And just now, you know, just, now hold on, just hold on a second. <laughs> Let's hear because it. I've got Houston and Jacksonville finishing at six and ten. Whoa! You wow. won the tiebreaker. Whoa! Yeah. Well, I don't know that. <laughs> no, no. Make a definitive <laughs> I, statement about who. I, when third I went Scott. through the schedule, I'm like, I, I have them splitting the uh, season series, and then honestly, I don't know offhand what the next credential is. Divisional record. Okay, Houston. <laughs> what, what's the rest of your guys' records for, for Houston and Jacksonville? I have Houston going 8-8, eight and eight, which I think is pretty generous. And I, I, I mean this. I went through the schedule, and I've got Jacksonville winning three. Oh, okay. I've got three and 13. Danny and I, we, we were identical up until that point. I got him at 5-11, and 11, not far off. but I um, think Minshew just scrapes out more than three. I do yeah. think they finished last, but he scrapes out a couple of just gritty wins. Oh, man. All right. Well, there you have it. We're pretty much identical, except Scott has Jacksonville winning. No, I'm just kidding. But um, let's talk about a sleeper. A sleeper from the AFC South for your fantasy draft. Someone later on you think is going to actually do really, really well. Matt, who you got as your uh, AFC South sleeper? Uh, my AFC South sleeper is A.J. Brown. Um, I guess he is consensus 16 wide receiver, which isn't way down, but I do think that he has the size, the talent, and the opportunity to really be, I'd say, at least a tier two wide receiver this year. And I think he's going to get the targets. Uh, We mentioned earlier that, yeah, they're a run-focused team, but who knows? It all depends on what the games call for, and I think he's going to be a steal. And uh what is that round danny do you know when he'd be the fourth uh usually he's going in the fourth oh yeah i would i would snatch him up in the fourth in a heartbeat scott who you got your sleeper for the afc south uh might be a little biased but we just kind of finished on it is tyler eifert baby i'm going with it i i know this is what every football player says but he i've heard he's he feels healthier than ever and oh, I look, look good. There you go. It's over. I, 
<laughs> I look at He's him. in the best shape of his life. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I look at him as a, a Gronk 2.0. He's going to hopefully get a lot of red zone target. Well, if they ever make it to the red zone, I guess. Um, and if he's healthy, I think he has definitely the capability of being a top 10 tight end for sure. But it, it all comes down to that health, and we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. My sleeper is Indianapolis wide receiver Paris Campbell. We talked about him for a second, a hot second. He's a smaller guy. Uh, they can use him in the slots. You've got Pittman out on the outside. You've got Hilton going everywhere. You've got Rivers, who we really don't know who Rivers' preference is. We have to wait until week one to see who he's going to look at. But Paris Campbell was going to be really good, but his injuries just kept him off the field last year. He had a hamstring injury, a sports hernia. He broke his hand, and then he broke his foot all within five months. So he didn't really stand a chance last year. So I'm interested in seeing. I think he's worth a late-round draft pick just to see if Philip Rivers has eyes for him over someone like Pittman. Maybe. Who knows? He could be the number two guy if Rivers likes him. So that's what I got. If we had to do two sleepers, Rivers would be my second. So I, I see some value there. All right. Well, those are the sleepers in the breakdowns of the AC South. Let's finish this off and play a little game. What do you guys say about that? I like games. Do you it. like games? <laughs> so we're going to do a couple of questions of would you rather. We're going to do would you rather, and then we're going to finish off by giving a stat prediction. We're all going to give a stat prediction on, on an AFC South player or whatever division we're covering that week, and we're going to keep track of all the stuff, and the winner's going to get a grand prize at a certain point in the season. But we're going to oh start boy. with oh, <laughs> would you rather take T.Y. Hilton or DJ Chark when it comes to your pick in the fifth rounds? They're both going wide receiver 26, wide receiver 27. Who would you rather have, T.Y. Hilton or DJ Chark? And you cannot look at your rankings. I know you guys are quickly pulling up to see who just happens to be higher. But right now, <laughs> hands up, who you got, Hilton or Chark? Damn, that is a tough one because I definitely like Chark more. But if they're going at the same time, and we talked about the benefits that Hilton has this year. He might have some more balance coverage. He has Philip Rivers coming in. Uh, man, I might go T.Y. Hilton, but I'm not going to like it when I do it at draft night. So Matt hates DJ Chark. Scott, who you got? My, my bias wants me to take Chark, but I, my initial thought was Rivers is there. They're going to throw the ball. If T.Y. is healthy, I, I would go T.Y. Hot tone? You guys said it, man. Rivers there. I'm going Hilton. But I don't feel too. good about it. We got to start disagreeing, but I also have Hill, and <laughs> I think he's in for a big year with Rivers. All right. AFC South, Michael Pittman at the end of the draft, Indianapolis Colts wide receiver, or Kenny Stills at the end of the draft, Houston wide receiver. They're going wow. right around the same ADP, and that's at the end of the draft. Yeah, I'll take Pittman. I think he has a tremendous upside, and I just don't see that with Kenny Stills. He's been around a while. He's kind of flirted with fantasy relevance, but never really been a consistent contributor. So I'm going to go Pittman on the upside. Yeah, I definitely like Pittman. I, I, I think Stills might have one, maybe two games this year where he puts up like eight points. But other than that, <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely like Pittman on that one. Anthony? I'm going Pittman too. There's only one guy in front of him, so... Now I'll go Pittman, too. Okay, we're going to disagree on this next one, maybe, probably. <laughs> okay. uh, the last would you rather before we get to our predict prediction. You have to choose one or the other. A.J. Brown in the fifth round. Matt, are you listening? Yep. A.J. Brown in the fifth round, which is later than his ADP, 
or Deshaun Watson in the 10th round, which is also later than his ADP. You can snatch up any of them late quarterbacks and then stream and uh, fix it up, whatever. My quarterback after the draft is never my quarterback at the end of the season. I'm, I'm taking A.J. Brown because I think he's going to be a consistent starter for me all year. Uh, I like I like Watson in the tenth. That seems really late for him. I don't know. I know that. Oh God, you guys hate is, each other. <laughs> average draft be gone. I, I like if Watson's there in the tenth round. I don't see how I could not draft him. Yeah, same. I'm going Watson in the tenth round as well. But what you guys forget is that Matt Stafford's <laughs> going to be there in the fourteenth or fifteenth round. And we're now be I I now I like Matt Stafford. I do, but Deshaun Watson. In the I I still think that Deshaun Watson is going to have a much better season than Stafford and getting him in the 10th is dynamite. I really do. Cause I like AJ Brown. I'm a Titans fan, just like you, but he scares me because of the lack of throwing. And I know that's probably going to go up in Tennessee. They're probably going to throw it more. Cause you can't, everyone knows it's the Derrick Henry show constantly. I mean, you're not fooling anyone anymore, but it comes down to where they're getting drafted. 10th round. I'll take Watson as well. This is the last question, the final question that we have for you guys. It's a number that you're going to give me, all right? I want you to write it down so we can know there's no cheating involved and no one's going to Price is Right pull a $1 bid on this. I want you to write down how many yards you think Derrick Henry will rush for this year. And just for a reference, last year he ran the ball 303 times, which is most in the league. For 1,540 yards, which was most in the league. So 1,540 is what he did last year. How many will he rush for this year? So you got it? Yes, you got your number? All right. Put them up. Okay. Already. We're seeing oh. this. So we're all, we're, oh. all relatively, we're all relatively close. Scott's got 1,275. He's the lowest on him. I've got 1,331. Anthony's got 1,469, and Matt's got an even 1,500. So he's going to. Yeah, how are you guys projecting like these down to the, the single digit? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like 69. So we're going to write that stuff down, and we're going to figure out a prize for us at the end because I'm going to hit it exactly over and over and over and over and over again. But that's all I got for the AFC South. I mean, we did it. Episode two is complete, guys. We did that's it. A, that's a that's a risky game. Now I'm going to root against him so I beat you guys. Just yeah. on one thing alone. Yeah. The stakes are are really really high. Oh, we're winning stakes. Yes. <laughs> oh, amazing. Take it more seriously next time. So, what division are we tackling next week, Danny? Next week we've got the NFC South. So we're going to talk about the NFC South: the Buccaneers, the Saints, the Falcons. And the Panthers are next week. Um, if you guys have questions or comments for us, you can email us at chumps to champs podcast at gmail.com. And if you email us any questions, what's, it doesn't even have to be fancy football related. We'll make Scott answer them honestly on air without even telling him what the question is. So deal. That's going to happen. But that's all we got. Thanks for sticking with us for another episode. We'll see you next week, chumps.